Have you got the sun tucked away in your socks, Livy? Nan asks as I walk into the kitchen ready for work on Monday morning. I look down at my new canary yellow converse and smile. Don't you love them? Wonderful, she laughs, placing my bowl of cornflakes on the breakfast table. How's your knee? Sitting down, I tap my leg and pick up my spoon. Perfect. What are you doing today, Nan? George and I are going to the market to buy lemons for your cake. She places a pot of tea on the table and loads my mug with two sugars. Nan, I don't take sugar. I try to swipe the mug from the table, but my grandmother's old hands work way too fast. You need fattening up, she insists, pouring the tea and pushing it across the table to me. Don't argue with me, Livy. I'll put you over my knee. I smile at her threat. She's promised it for twenty-four years and never followed through. You can get lemons at the local store, I point out casually, plunging my spoon into my mouth to stop me from saying more. I could say so much more. You're right, her old navy eyes flick to me briefly before she slurps her tea but I want to go to the market, and George said he'd take me. We'll speak no more of it. I'm desperately holding back my grin, but I know when to shut up. Old George is so fond of Nan, but she's really quite short with him. I don't know why he sticks around to be bossed about. She plays all hard-hearted and uninterested, but I know George's fondness for Nan is quietly returned. Gramps has been gone for seven years, and George could never replace him. But a little companionship is good for Nan. Losing her daughter sent her into a dark depression. But Grandad took care of her, suffering in silence for years, silently coming to terms with his own loss and hiding his own grief until his body gave in. Then there was just me, a teenager left to hold it together which I didn't do a very good job of in the early days. She starts to top up my bowl with more flakes. I'm going to Monday Club at six, so I won't be home when you get in from work. Can you sort your supper out? Of course, I say, holding my hand over my bowl to stop the flow of cornflakes. Is George going too? Livy, she warns sternly. Sorry. I smile as I'm attacked by annoyed eyes, and she shakes her head, her grey curls swishing around her ears. It's a very sad situation when I socialise more than my granddaughter. Her words kill my smile. I'm not getting into this. I need to get to work. I stand and dip to kiss her cheek, ignoring her sigh. I jump down from the bus dodging people as I hurry through the chaos of rush-hour pedestrian traffic. My mood reflects the colour of my converse, bright and sunny, as does the weather. After navigating through the back streets of Mayfair, I push my way into the bistro, finding it jam-packed already, just like it was last Monday when I started working for Dell. I don't have time to chat with Sylvie or apologise to Dell again for the fiasco on Friday. My apron is thrown at me, and I swing into action, immediately clearing four tables of empty cups 
before the vacated seating is snapped up by more arriving customers. I smile, deliver quickly, and clear the tables even faster. I really am a natural at this service-with-a-smile business. Come five o'clock, my yellow converse aren't feeling so bright anymore. My feet are aching, my calves are aching, and my head is aching. But I still smile when Sylvie slaps my backside as she passes me. You've only been here a week, and I already don't know what I'd do without you. My smile widens as I watch her push through the swing door into the kitchen, but it soon falls away when I turn and come face to face with him again. I'm not particularly big on fate or things happening for a reason. I believe that you're the master of your own.